Talk Money to Me is a financial podcast produced by Transglobal. All opinions expressed by the host and guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Transglobal. This podcast is for educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as basis for investment decisions. Hey everybody, welcome to Talk Money to Me, where we talk about money and how it affects you. I'm your co-host, Jonathan, and I know a little bit about finance. And I'm your other co-host, Tracy, and I know almost nothing about finance. We have two wonderful guests with us today. I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, everybody. This is Walt, and I work in the financial services. Hi, this is Franklin. I also work in finance, and I'm too honest for my own good. Today, we're going to be talking about investing basics. Uh, Let's start from ground zero. What is investing? I think for me, um, to put it very simply, I think investing is about letting or putting your money in a place where it can work for you. So you're letting uh, money do all the hard work. And for me, I believe money is the means to an end, to what end, uh, to help me live the dream life that I always envision that I deserve. That's what investing means to me. That sounds great. Um, but I've always thought of investing sort of as like only for people who um, are really rich and could afford to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars and um, as scary as gambling and therefore I wasn't going to touch it. Um, so, but based on our previous episodes and we've touched on stocks and we've touched on, it sounds like something that's feasible for like sort of the average person. Can you get us started with some like basic things to know about getting started with investing? two really important things to think about is about interest. There's simple interest and there's compound interest. Interest, you know, simple interest would be about letting the money work for you and getting that interest for you based upon your principle about the money that you put in. So for example, if you put in a hundred bucks into a bank that generates a simple interest of 5%, you know, after a year, uh, your total value in the account would be a hundred dollars plus that five bucks of interest. And the next year I get a hundred because like, you know, you still put in, you, you still don't put in any other money except the first hundred bucks you put in, right? So every year it's going to, based on that principle of hundred dollars, you're going to get 5%. Oh, wait. So it doesn't, okay. So it won't adjust every year for the amount that is in the account. That's it why will. it's simple. The interest that I earn is only calculated based on the money that I've put in, exactly. not on the earned amount. Nope. Contrary to simple interest, um, the idea of compound interest is what you just explained. You put in $100, if you earn 10%, uh, then you will have 110 starting the following year. And if you earn another 10%, then it's actually you're actually earning $11. And then it, it keeps snowballing up. So that's the positive snowball effect of compounding interest. Of course, I'm pretty sure people, uh, some of our listeners experience the negative one, which is student loans, mm. right? Uh, yeah, so okay. no snowballing, no snowballing in simple interest, only in compound. Uh, now that we have a better understanding of simple interest and compound interest, most investment tools and investment products use compound interest. Are there any pros and cons of the different types of investment tools? Um, I think for anybody that wants to invest, one thing they need to for sure is to kind of know who they are, what kind of investor. Um, they they are what kind of tendency they they tend to have when it comes to investing when it comes to their relationship with money. When you say tendencies, um, because like for example, as someone who doesn't do any investing now, I don't 
say I don't think I have any tendencies. So you're saying tendencies even beyond that, right? Are there other places that you can observe how you might be an investor? Because I'm not an investor yet. There definitely is. For example,、uh, here's a simple question. Let's say you put a hundred dollars down. The worst case scenario is you lose fifty dollars, half of it. But then the best case scenario is you earn a hundred dollars. Would you go for it? And then if you say yes, then that means you have a higher risk tolerance. And if you say no, then we lower the potential loss amount to the point where you're comfortable. So, for example, if you tell me, Frank, I'm comfortable losing five dollars in a hundred dollar bet, and in return I make five dollars or ten dollars, then that to me indicate That you have a more conservative tendency. So then, after we've kind of established that we have different levels of risk tolerance、um, or risk adversity, one of the things that I wanted to ask about, and this touches back on what Tracy was saying about gambling,、uh, gambling never guarantees that you'll make money. It just increases or decreases the amount of risk. Is investing the same way? Absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons why. People shouldn't just blindly put their money into something that they don't understand.、Um, there's there has to be a certain level of analysis that comes in. There's、uh, three major things that I believe all investors or anyone who's interested in managing their own money should look at.、Uh, first one is global macro analysis, looking at what's going on with the、uh, global economy. Number two is the fundamental analysis, understanding the companies that they're invested in. Number three is technical analysis, basically looking at charts to determine a good buying and selling point, and also where to set their stop losses. The secret to success in investing is very simple: buy low, sell high. But you'll find that a lot of people can't do that. To give you an example, if you buy a house right now for a million dollars, and the house goes up thirty thousand dollars, you only make three percent, right? That's not too bad, but it's not really good either.、It、doesn't get you excited. Doesn't get your、uh, heart rate speed up. But imagine if you're able to buy the same house for only thirty thousand dollars, and the house also went up thirty thousand dollars. Guess what? You just made a hundred percent. Would you rather make a hundred percent, or would you rather make three percent? Which so, neighborhood can you buy a house for thirty thousand dollars? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm with the、you. neighborhood that you need to take a time machine back to. <laughs> <laughs> but but see that 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 simple example shows you that you can buy the same house and have a huge difference in terms of your performance, right? So buying low, and if you can buy super low. That's really the secret to success. One of the terms that you had used earlier was stop loss. I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit.、Um, I I get the word stop, I get the word loss, but I'm not sure how those two go together. The idea is to predetermine the set amount of money that we are willing to potentially lose for a potential gain. So, for example, if I see a stock at a hundred dollars, I think it will go to two hundred dollars. This is my personal opinion.、Um, then I will want to invest in it, but a lot of times when I see people invest, they don't have a stop loss. So let's say they buy into the company at a hundred dollars, it starts dropping to ninety dollars, eighty, seventy, sixty. Then they don't know what to do with it. But what I do is I have a set loss. I will say I am only willing to risk ten dollars for this potential hundred dollar gain. So I'll set a stop loss at ninety. So for example, if I buy into the stock at hundred dollars, it drops 
to 90 or below, then I will exit this position. Right away, I can see I'm going to have a problem because I'm one of those people that will look at it and say, oh, man, but what if it goes back up? I think that's a tendency for almost everybody because, like, you know, we have this <laughs> greediness, you know, that's in us, right? But I think what Frank, Franklin was saying is that if you do have this mechanism that you can actually kind of put a safety net, so to speak, when you, you know, when you're investing and then that if it drops below a certain price, you can, you know, exit, then that way you can still have your gain, but, um, you know, but to, not to the point where it's going to sink altogether, you know, like kind of like the t- Titanic, so to speak. <laughs> I like the idea of reassuring our listeners that um, as long as you're managing your risk well, it doesn't mean that you're not successful. And the, and the idea that um, managing your risk well means that the whatever percent that is right, even if it seems super low, and of course the Asian in me thinks that a C minus is low, <laughs> um, whatever the leftover percentage I have that's right can make the money back if I control my risk well. Exactly. But this is how people get hurt the other way. When they see their losses, they hold on to it. But then when they see themselves making money on a position, they don't let that 10th pick go to $10. They see it go up to $2. They think, oh my God, I I was wrong the past nine times. I'm finally right. I'm taking this profit. I'm running with it. Okay, so on the other side of that, is there a wise time to pull out when your money is going up? That's actually a term, Tracy. It's stop gain. It's really based on your the, the stages of life you're in. So, for example, if if someone is young like you, Tracy, right? Thank uh, you. Maybe Thank you for that. maybe maybe you can take more risk. You're welcome. And then maybe you will choose to stay in the market to try to capture that entire ten dollar growth in the previous example. Uh, but for someone that's a lot older, perhaps they don't want to take that much risk. So what they'll do is they'll probably take profit a lot sooner. And of course. This ties into your overall financial plan, as in don't even think about investing in the market unless you have a steady income. Because when you don't have a steady income, you'll feel pressure from life, uh, pressure bill, having to pay your bills and all that. Then with those extra pressure, it will affect your decision making process when it comes to investing. Are there other common terms that beginning investors should be familiar with? I think one term that we can kind of throw out to the audience is um, asset management. A client that pays a financial professional to make investment decisions for them. So then what happens if you want to try doing it on your own? Yeah, uh, that's what we usually call uh, self-management or um, non-discretionary accounts. Okay, understood. So how rich do I have to be to start investing? I will say if you have enough money to cover your living expenses and you have some rainy day funds or just even a little bit, then you're ready to invest. This is my experience, uh, 15 years of experience as a financial professional and 20 years experience as an investor is that when you're young, it's the perfect time to take risk. Why? Because when you're young, you have a lot more time to make up for the potential mistakes you might make. Yeah, I want to add to what Franklin was saying is that, especially for someone who's young, there's a lot of apps out there, you know, for micro investment like um, Acorn, Stash, you know, get your feet wet, you know, just feel it, um, see what it feels like, you know, just because you don't really know your risk tolerance sometimes uh, unless you kind of experience it firsthand and, and see how that works. 
I can totally relate to that idea. You know, when I was younger, uh, the first time I got allowance, I was like, $20, that's a lot. Popcorn costs $10, no thanks, right? But now that I have a more <laughs> uh, steady income, I'm like, $10 for popcorn? Sure, for someone special. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier you said, even if you have a small amount, you can start. And I have discovered that my idea of what a small amount is, is different than someone who's making 100K. Can you kind of elaborate a little bit on what a small amount means percentage wise to um, like my salary versus my living expense? Like how much percentage should I have left over so that I start investing safely? So the board of certified financial planners, they tell all the certified financial planners to recommend their client to have at least nine months, six to nine months of monthly expenses as their rainy day funds. I know nowadays in US, that's pretty rare, but if you can at least have that, then you know you're in a pretty good spot. And all the money uh, after the rainy day funds could be applied towards investing. Here's an idea, right? You like Starbucks, you understand Starbucks products, and you know the company itself. Uh, you know it's a safe company, it's been around, it's been through 08 financial crisis, you enjoy the product very much. Well, guess what? Uh, that's somewhat of a fundamental analysis when it comes to a stock. Uh, you know, they have competitors, but not a lot, no one noticeable. So see, those are all fundamental analysis. So you're doing it without yourself realizing it. Uh, global macro, what's global macro? Well, when people are making money, they will spend more, right? Then they're, they're willing to spend a, a $5 on a cup of coffee. When they're not, when they get laid off and they get furloughed, they won't. So when you're in the Starbucks, you can see by the amount of foot traffic, is the business picking up or is it slowing down? You kind of get a taste of the uh, economy as well as how the company itself is doing. And then finally, if you look into the technical analysis like I do, then you will notice that, oh, great, um, based on the chart or my personal indicators telling me, uh, looks like Starbucks is a good purchase at $66 a share. And even when it went up, uh, this is back in April, but even if it went up to, let's just say, June and July at $77, it's still a good investment. Guess how much the stock price is today? It's at 101. So instead of you collecting stars only, you can take whatever savings you have and go buy Starbucks stocks and make 40% uh, to 50% of your money, right? So you get stars and Starbucks stocks paying you to potentially buy more coffee. So that's yes. the beauty of investing. My pumpkin spice latte working for me. Um, I know that we talked a lot about investing for uh, companies that we're more familiar with, but I know that uh, within the past decade, um, especially since the dot-com boom in 2000, there's been a lot of startups, a lot of, hey, I have these new ideas, I want you to invest in me. Um, some of them pan out like Airbnb and Uber and Lyft, some of them don't. Are there any guiding principles when it comes to investing in startups specifically? Startups is a very tricky area because usually startups are only available to the big VCs, VCs as in venture capitals. And there's select a few individuals that have access to those startups. And those are what we call angel investors. But usually even as an individual, uh, those angel investors have deep, deep connections to those big firms and to those startup companies. And also, let's just say you have access to startup company investing. You also have to look at which round of funding you're in. In the beginning rounds of funding, 
the startup owners are desperate for money. So they will give you shares for a cheaper price. Let's say later on, the company's more well known and outside money wants to pour in. So the later on round fundings will be more expensive. That's also something to, uh, to think about. And then later on, um, if you don't have access to it, you can later on wait for the IPO, which is initial public offering. Then you can buy it uh, on the secondary market, which is just the stock market. Secondary market is just a fancy name to say a public market where you and me can have access to those stocks. There has been a lot of really good information for us to know how to get our feet wet. Uh, in the proverbial pool of investing. I was wondering if there was maybe one tip uh, that you could leave the listeners with in terms of how to make sure that they have as many of the skills as they need. Yeah, I think uh, Investopedia is a good place to to start. When it comes to investing, to be a winner, you have to be able to manage your per, your own emotions. So that means when people are panicking, like March, you're ready to buy. And when people are getting too excited, you're ready to to take your profits. All right. And with that, we'll go ahead and close our episode for today. Thank you so much to our wonderful guests for sharing a little bit of info with us. We'll catch you at the next episode. Take care. Bye. Bye.